And welcome to I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. <laughs> the podcast that engages with the canon so you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And today we are talking about Kate Bush mm-hmm. and Snow White. And if you're sitting there being like, oh, Snow White and the Huntsman, you know which Snow White we're talking no, about. No. It's the original 1937. Although I think I've seen Snow that. White. Snow White and the Huntsman? I saw something where Charlize Theron climbed out of milk. That, yes, that is that is that one. <laughs> that, and that's like mostly why I saw it. You explicitly referenced Snow White and the Huntsman in part two of our Beverly Hills episode. In what capacity? <laughs> We're talking about- I barely remember it. I, Am I just talking about Charlize Theron holding space? No, oh. no. We were talking about the fight in Amsterdam, and it is Kyle's flight from the restaurant in Amsterdam, and you described it as looking <laughs> Snow White and the Huntsman-esque. Oh, yeah, all right. I would have thought that it had to do it, because the only thing that I remember about that film is Charlize Theron just like being so- commanding without even like she doesn't have to do anything she doesn't have to do anything she just just her her presence is intimidating Mm -hmm. and i can see myself comparing that to housewives behavior yeah one could on this particular occasion you didn't but yes that is that is something that certainly could be done that is not an unfair comparison, particularly. Some I can't them. wait to just talk about Housewives more, but that's not what we're doing today. That's not what we're doing today. Um, no. Okay. Snow White and the Huntsman, despite the fact that I talk about it all the time, apparently, <laughs> you don't need <laughs> to see time. it. I can say with confidence, though I do not remember it, that you do not need to see it. Okay. No, we are talking about the Disney animated classic. The first Disney animated movie. Snow White, which to my knowledge, I have never seen. I think I have seen part of it. But I cannot with confidence say I've seen all of it. And the part I mean, that I, I did feel, see was so long ago. I feel like everyone's seen like a couple of sequences. Like I know what it looks like. Yeah. Ugh, now I don't know what's Snow White and what's Sleeping Beauty. But this is why we do this. Yeah, exactly. What's the song? What's the one song? I almost said A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. But that's wrong. It's Someday My Prince Will Come. Yes. Okay. That I feel like I've seen that scene. But obviously, I couldn't remember what song was being sung during it. It could have been anything, but no, it's that. That's one of the scenes I don't think I've seen. And I definitely know what the dwarves look like. Like, I know their aesthetic. And I'm sure you know what they sing. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Yes. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But for some reason, that's not... I picture them, like, getting into shenanigans, like, around a a cabin. Yes, I think that's right. That's basically right. Like, yanking each other's hats down over each other's ears. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, that that's... Stepping on rakes, I don't know. In my mind, that's the majority of the movie, but we'll see if I'm proven right or wrong. So is this... No, Sleeping Beauty is the queen with the horns. That's Maleficent turning into a dragon. Yeah, this bitch has no horns. This bitch has no horns. Okay, then I can't picture her. She's the one with the high collar and the, like, very pointed widow's peak and, like, very pale face. She's literally just called the evil queen. She wears an actual crown. I think she's the only like old school Disney villain who wears an actual crown. Okay, I think it's possible that she and the horns lady have merged in your head. Mer- yeah. Yeah, Maleficent. Yeah, because I really see the widow's peak and the horns at the same time. Oh, she has both. Uh, Maleficent has both. Okay, then I then I I think I don't know what the villain looks like in this movie. Okay. Who gets a poison apple? Snow White. Okay. She's handed a poison apple by the witch, who is. Okay, sick. Yeah, okay. I feel like I know what what the apple looks like. (laughs) The true uh, villain of the story, really. The moral of the story is don't eat fruit. Don't eat fruit. Yeah. Is it a Bible thing? I never thought of that. 
it's weird that it's always an apple. Yeah. I'm sure some <laughs> poor film grad student has had to write part of their dissertation on the meaning of it being a poison apple. Ugh. I will say I am not embarrassed that I have not seen this movie. No. But it is probably, but it is like an important piece of film history, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it is still adjusting for inflation. It is still the highest grossing animated movie of all time. Like more than Finding Nemo. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. At the time. That movie made a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. At the time, after initial theatrical run, it was the highest grossing sound film. And like there had only been 10 films, 10 years of sound films. So like small sample size, but like yeah, yeah. it was also, I remember learning the first film in color that a lot of people had seen because mm. it was one of the first like really wide release color f- movies. Sure. Yeah. How does it compare years wise to The Wizard of Oz? Wizard of Oz was 39. This was 37. Okay. You know what's wild? Wizard of Oz... And Gone with the Wind came out the same year and had the same director. <laughs> That's bonkers. Yeah. That's crazy. And for Oopsie. a lot of people, they were the first two color live action movies they'd ever seen. Well, I just, Wizard of Oz makes such cool use of it. Yes. And I feel like that, I don't know for a fact, but I feel like it has to be the first time that someone was like, we're going to do both in an artful way. We're going to use it as part of the story. Quite I don't possibly, yeah. Maybe not. It's certainly the time that has endured it is certainly the most famous use of that in early cinema that's not that we're talking about a color movie we are yeah i don't do we have any other well what i wanted to say is i think i'm going to be approaching this a little bit differently from the way we've approached some other stuff where like i do feel like as like a person who is endeavoring to watch a lot of movies for this project, it feels weird to not watch this one. But I do agree with you that I'm not particularly embarrassed that I haven't seen it. So I'm like, okay, yes. I wonder if it's because it's about a woman. We're thinking about obligation, and then mm-hmm. we're also thinking about shame. Yes. And this, I feel, we like we definitely both feel obligated because of the nature of this project. And I am coming at it also a little bit as like just sort of someone who's in touch with like Disney. Mm-hmm. And like princess yeah. lore. Yeah. I'm missing this piece of the foundation. Right. The reason I don't have shame about it is that no one has ever made me feel. No one has ever come at me with like, oh, you don't know Snow White. Right. And I'm wondering if that is the case because only men do that. And men right. don't care about I understand. Yes, I'm, I'm on the bus now. I think that might be part of it. I'm just doing the thing that I do. I mean, the thing that you do is part of why we're here. (laughs) But no, I I think that that is, I think that that might be part of it. I think the way I'm going to approach it is I'm, I'm approaching this going, yes, Disney as we know it now would not exist without this movie. There is no way that either of us are going to be like, is this movie really that important? It's obviously incredibly important to film history. Yeah. If we're going to ask kids who, I was going to say Frozen, but Frozen's like 10 years old now or some shit. Yes, it is. Whatever the kids are watching now. If we're going to Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. If kids are going to watch Encanto and we're going to be like, you dumb kid, watch the little like how come you don't know the little mermaid? Right. Then like we should probably know this. Right, exactly. And I I'm also thinking, I'm wondering if this is going to be a a situation where we say Thank you for your contribution, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. But other films from around this time have taken what you've done and run with it and done it better. Sure. The reason I think of this is because Disney's second animated feature was Pinocchio. And so right now, if you were to ask me what like really old Disney movie should I watch, I would probably say Pinocchio. It would be one of the ones that I would recommend because it is fucking bonkers. 
Yeah, I don't have a strong relationship with it. When does I know Dumbo's on the envelope? When does Dumbo come in? Dumbo is three, I think. Okay. Well, I mean, there's some minor ones, but like of the major ones, I think it goes Snow White, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi. Ugh. You've seen Bambi, the right? The original Mufasa. Yeah. Not since I was little. I mean, most of these, I think it would make sense for me to revisit. Yeah. Most of these early ones because they just didn't, even though I watched them other than Snow White, I don't think it just, it just didn't really take. Yeah. Pinocchio is in my rotation as a kid. It was okay. in my Disney rotation. I was particularly struck by the scene where they all turn into donkeys. I know a lot of people yes. found that scene very disturbing. I was I just I do like, have a memory of that now that you say it. I was just like really into that scene. And then later I discovered I'm non-binary and I'm like, mm, mm, yeah, transformation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know that. That's why I like werewolf movies. That's why Underworld rules. <laughs> <laughs> I know that all those old Disney movies are like racist and shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure this movie is going to offend me at some point. Well, I think maybe not racially because I think this is one of those ones where they didn't have the chance to be racist because everyone in this movie is white as fuck. You don't think someone's going to like make a minstrel joke? Oh, you know, maybe. That's true. I just feel like it's going to, if you're, if we're looking Dopey for it. Dopey might wear some blackface we'll at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just like the dwarves mm -hmm. as a concept. Yeah, and I mean, like I could great. <laughs> I could go into a whole thing about how Jew coded the witch is. Well, with... you probably should maybe do it. I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to do it now. But well, that's for also you guys. Like... It'll only it'll be in like ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I think we've I think we've said about enough. Yeah. about that. Kate Bush. Yeah, is having a moment. It sounds like because of Stranger Things. Yes, they used running up that hill in Stranger Things, and yeah. people like lost their mind. And it is now number two on the Billboard charts or something. Yeah, the song that for, came out for the second time in 1980. <laughs> what I realized today, I was just like on Kate Bush's Wikipedia because I was like. What what is her deal? Like I know we're doing her. I know she's like I know running up the hill is having a moment. I looked it up and she has had 10 studio albums all of which have been top 10 hits in the UK. Like 5 of them have been number 1. Dear she, Jesus. She has been knighted? I feel like I was reading this and I'm like, "Oh, us saying we don't know Kate Bush is a little bit like a British person coming to us and been like, have you heard of Madonna? Sure. <laughs> I just discovered Madonna. Like, okay. Yeah, they have though. I know, but like, imagine if they hadn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, in an interview a couple years ago was asked, who are the five most influential women in your life? <laughs> and he was debating. He got four and he was like, hmm, number five. Should I say Kate Bush, Margaret Thatcher, or the Queen? I'm going to go with Kate Bush. <laughs> this is the size of the blind spot we have right yeah, now. Yeah, that's amazing. I should really save this for later, but I do really like this because I'm no, going to forget in two weeks. Yeah. Do you know who wrote a song for her and says that she is one of the most beautiful performers he's ever heard? Johnny Rotten. Oh. Johnny Rotten loves Kate Bush. Oh, okay. Which is well, wild. Well, that I think is very much to his credit. Yeah. One time Nelson Mandela said that the best day of his life was when he saw the Spice Girls perform. <laughs> Not when he was released from prison. Nope. Not the end of apartheid in nope. South Africa. Seeing the Spice Girls perform live. Wait, what else did you just say? Johnny Rotten loves... Oh, the reason Carly Rae Jepsen is famous in America is because Justin Bieber... So somebody was like, hey, Justin Bieber, what pop music are you listening to? And he was like, you guys are all fucking sleeping on Carly Rae Jepsen. She is the best pop songwriter of our times. And then wow. Call Me Maybe happened. 
And I think, much like Johnny Rotten, even though I don't have a lot of time for Justin Bieber, like, that really knocks him up a peg. It's an indicator of taste that you hadn't expected. Yes, exactly. It's like, oh, I I still don't, I don't like you. Yeah. But, like, I would be a fool not to give you, like, partial credit for having that answer Mm -hmm. locked and loaded. Yeah. I literally don't know anything about Kate Bush. This is a good contrast because I do feel shame about it, and I have lied. I have nodded and smiled and pretended that I knew what was going on when people Mm -hmm. said the words Kate Bush. Mm -hmm. I definitely thought of her as, like, a Tori Amos... Fiona Apple even. Mm-hmm. But now that I am now that I know what running up that hill sounds like, I think I'm probably completely wrong. I yeah. think I just thought her name sounded like her music would have aggression in it. I don't know what to expect because the only songs I know are Running Up That Hill and Wuthering Heights. Okay. What years did these ten al- have these ten albums come out over? I would say over the past forty five. The first one was in what? seventy first one was in seventy eight. What? And then the first seven were between the late 70s and early 90s, and then she took like 12 years off. Okay. I also, if you'd asked me what years was Kate Bush active, Mm -hmm. I would have said 1985 to maybe generously 2000, but I probably would have said like 1995. Mm Mm-hmm. But it sounds like I would have been very wrong about that. And like all of that is literally just from me trying to reverse engineer things from what people are saying to me about what they like about her. And I'm pretending that I know exactly what they're talking about. And that I also like her yeah. when I've literally never heard her sing a note. I still haven't except the 30 second clip that's on TikTok all the time. Like I don't even actually know the song running up that hill. I just know the part that's on TikTok. That song's not particularly complex. So I think you've got the gist. Yeah, no, I don't think but it's going to shock me, mean. but I'm saying I haven't listened to all three and a half minutes of it or however long it is. The other three I minutes have... is just atonal doom metal and yeah. then 30, 30 seconds of that. Yeah, I'm realizing that also this is going to be a busy, this is going to be busy because you're telling me 10 albums. That's not, that's going to be really hard to do. So it's probably not going to happen. But I now also feel like I should watch Stranger Things. <laughs> I, so I, so I know how they use it because it obviously really captured people's hearts. Yeah, seriously. I, my plan plan is to just focus on her pre-hiatus stuff. I think if I don't do after the hiatus, and Kate Bush fans don't come for me on this, I'm just trying to pick a stopping we point. Ha- listen, we, we, we only can't have do so much time. We we'll see how it goes, and maybe we'll do Kate Bush part two another time. Yeah, We, we have only- talked about dividing artists into eras so that we can tackle them more. Unless I am, unless I have extra time. That's still a lot. I'm having a hard time. I feel like I need to watch The Stranger Things because from the 30 seconds that I keep hearing on TikTok, it's hard for me to imagine. I don't dislike the song, but it's hard for me to imagine it occupying a space in a dramatic television show that is like, I'm picturing this has to be like what, like chasing cars on Grey's Anatomy. I know I reference that all the time, but like Mm -hmm. for it to be on the billboard charts again, I just feel like it has to have really I don't know. I just can't picture how they use it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a fourth act finale to me, yeah. but it must be like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like a, an emotional peak. Sure. But it must be. And I, I want to see how. Okay. Yeah. I, I invite you to do that. So we'll take a brief break and when we come back, it'll be the future and we'll let you know what we think. Da, 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 da. Bow. Hello, welcome to the future. We listened to Kate Bush. A lot of Kate Bush. Yes. And we watched Snow And White. yet, somehow, not all of the Kate Bush. I will say, 
disclaimer. I, I did not get no, to all I, of it. I didn't. But I, I think I did. I did a pretty thorough job of like, yeah. the first chunk of like her the career. First, yeah, at least the first half to two thirds, I want to say. Yeah. I went up to her hiatus. Yeah, I meant to, but I think I, I didn't I didn't do the very last one before the hiatus. Okay. But I chose I chose to do more repeats yeah. on some of the earlier albums rather than doing that because I felt like well, okay, I guess we're starting with Kate Bush. I guess we are, yeah. Okay, so sh- shall I shall I count us? Yes. Okay, one, two, three. Uh, I tried. I, I really, I really wanted to. I tried. I really wanted to. And there were times where I thought I did. Yes, yes. I like almost I felt tricked like myself. It was, yes. Well, and Stranger Things almost tricked me. Honestly, yeah. I, I'm going to, this is going to be a lot of, I'm going to talk a lot about Stranger Things. That's fine. <laughs> because I feel like that was, I do see what they did to bump that song back into the top five songs of all the songs right now. I feel like that that's the, the most moved, the closest I ever felt to Kate Bush was as, as a result of her participation in Stranger Things. Like, I hope, as an aspiring television writer, I hope to be able to do for a song what Stranger Things did. Somebody on that writing team has held that song their entire lives, you know what I mean? And has been like, today is the day. Like, this is the right song for this. Yeah. Like, every everything's coming together. And I I just, I, I think that's really beautiful. And I would, I would love to be able to do that for, like, your love is my drug someday. Yeah. I was going to say Gold Trans Am, but either way. <laughs> yeah. Or even, like, Blow. Oh yeah, another great song. Another great song that like really had a heyday mm-hmm. in the in the party. Yeah. Radio in the radio party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I could write the right thing that is oh it's party at a rich dude's house. It's party at a rich dude's house. Great. That's the one. If I could write the right thing that is like remember this, mm-hmm. remember this. Yeah. And it just like lands so hard that everybody is like, I do justice for a party at a rich dude's house. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing about, just to bring it back to Kate Bush. Yeah. Uh, here, here's the thing. <laughs> Since this is in fact about Kate Bush and not about Kesha, but it's, it's always a little bit about Kesha. It's always a little bit about Kesha. And I think that's part of our brand. And I think our listeners are coming to expect that from us. The thing that immediately struck me, and I think I said this to you off mic, was after listening to like one or two albums, I was like, oh, Kate Bush is a musical genius. Like yeah. that oh, is yeah. pretty clearly unquestionable so we are starting all of this and i feel like we say this a lot but i want to make sure that we're being really clear about this with kate bush of like she is undeniably an incredibly talented musician and an incredibly talented artist yeah. and i can see and like like right like visionary auteur yeah exactly and like i can definitely see what she is going for the question for me is not, is this good? The question for me is, do I enjoy it? Do listening? I like it? Do yeah. I like it? And the answer is mostly not really, but not for lack of trying. Yeah. So I started at the beginning and the first couple albums, it, I was like, oh, this is like if Joni Mitchell and Regina Spector had a weird baby. Or just a normal baby because Regina Spector is already weird. Yeah. And I was like, but I would rather listen to either of those things than this. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, no, Ugh, Sydney, regular listeners may have heard me say before that like sometimes I just have to like listen to something. If I think I don't like something, if I just listen to it a lot, if I just like, I can just make myself like it. Yeah. And I feel like I did that with Joni Mitchell and I did it with 
Regina Spector. Regina Spector was a little bit easier mm-hmm. of a sell, but Joni Mitchell, I like didn't like at all. And I was like, that's not acceptable. So I just, I just put it on repeat until I liked it. So I was like, why, why, why can't I do that here? And so I focused on Hounds of Love because that was the first one that just going chronologically, that was the first one that like really caught my ear, sounded a little, it felt most possible with, and also it is the one that is trending. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to drill this into my brain until my brain accepts Mm -hmm. this as the kind of music that we listen to. And I feel like, like you're saying, it's like, I feel like I got close. Like sometimes I was like, yeah, it's happening. Like on like Big Sky would come in and I'd be like, yeah, Big Sky. Big Sky is a great song. But then I don't know. I just could never catch the momentum that I could with either Joni Mitchell or Regina Spector. Like it's like once I, like with them, like once I like clicked into it, I could add new material. I didn't have to stay on like the one song that I knew that I liked. Like Kate Bush, I just felt like I kept having to be like, wait, I don't like this again. I need to listen to the first three songs of Hounds of Love. Yeah. And then I'd be like, yes, I did like that. And then I'd listen to the rest of the album and be like, or any other album and be like, "Mm." and it would have its moments but I would, I like kept needing running up that hill to like recharge me. It just like, it never got easy. Yeah. So I found myself thinking a lot about Donna Summer and a lot about Tom Waits because I feel like Donna Summer had a similar- Tom Waits, I see. Why, why Donna Summer? Not the style of music, but just the like hit rate- to not hit rate ratio for my own oh, brain. Sure. Yeah. Of like, listeners, if you want to go back and check out our Darn Summer episode, we talk a lot about how she'll have like three great songs in a row and then four really slow songs that are just like all skips. Yes. And I was like, why That's is that true. different for me than this? And I think it's that it's not that the hit rate to not hit rate is happening in the same album. I feel like it's happening in the same song. Oh, interesting. Take an example, Babushka. Sure. Lead song off of her third album. The hook for that song is great. I think it's so much fun. Yeah. And then the verses are just like really weird and like borderline atonal. And then it kicks into this really catchy hook. Yeah, I think for me is that it's like, the Donna Summer songs that were not that I didn't need are still they're such easy listening. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I I don't need this song, but it'll just like still a smooth ride. Yeah. Whereas like more like Tom Waits, you kind of can't forget that you're listening to Kate Bush. Yes. You can't be like and there's something about the timbre of her voice that is like it's just really very present. <laughs> yes. I did feel like there was a little like perhaps part of what was what I was bumping into is the thing that I don't like about Ani DeFranco, mm-hmm. I think, is a little bit present in Kate Bush also. What is that? I don't know. It's like kind of ineffable and, and pretty unfair, honestly. But I've never liked Ani DeFranco because I feel like her delivery tells me how clever she thinks she is. Mm. And how like there's like a smugness going on. But it's like... I know it's unfair because there are other artists, particularly female artists, who like broadcast to me that they're proud of what they've done and it doesn't. But it's like that's an important part of like cockiness can be an important part of being 
a musician. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like the way you give it to me, like something, something about the way. And I think also as a, as a young lesbian, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ani DeFranco was like kind of not off. It was like being, it's not, it's not really her fault. Like it was like being forced on me. And I was like, no, like you guys are making me listen to this. And it's, there's, yeah. and there's this like smugness to it. You, my fellow lesbians are smug. The music is smug. I, it's too much. Mm-hmm. I can't take it. No, there's I, not as much queerness going on in Kate Bush, but like, do you know what I mean? Though there's something about yeah. uh, there's there's something in it that where she's like, I am very smart and special when I do this, and Regina Spector does it too, but she's so weird. Yeah, I mean, Kate Bush is weird too. She's she's not as like sonically weird as Regina Spector will literally just like burp into a microphone. Yeah. Whereas I don't think Kate Bush would do that. Her voice is always very mellifluous, even if all of the sampling and stuff that she's doing behind it can be like kind of weird and yeah. Uh, I do feel like sometimes she'll be like, "I'm gonna do a, like some bird sounds," or like yeah, that's true. Um, she does do bird noises. Yeah, even those are like pleasant sounds. They're like pretty nice birds. Yeah, but I do think she has that like Tom Waits song voice but instead of going like ridiculously deep like he does she goes really really high yeah and you can hear her like her normal singing voice is not quite that like that crazy falsetto high is not her neutral voice yeah i felt like there was a, a a veil a veil between us between me and kate bush but i i could see what was good on the other side i i just like didn't always feel that way since we're since we were just talking about it in our last episode, do you feel it's a little bit like if Midnight's Children was a musician? Not for me. I guess I see where you're where you're going, but emotionally, no. Because I didn't I didn't ever find it to to feel like homework, even musical homework. Mm. It was just like, why isn't this like becoming familiar and like catchy to me like i don't to take it all the way back to slater kenny like i know that the first time i I put dig me out on i was like mo this feels far from my experience but it only it really only took like maybe three or four listens before i was like i can sing along to this like i have internalized maybe not every song every word but like (laughs) i'm anticipating it i'm it's it it makes sense to me it is now like sounds that make sense to me and regina specter is harder because there's so much more like variation within the song so like it was it was harder to like get ahead of and feel like i like fully understood it Mm -hmm. but it was all kind of of a vocabulary that like once i got it it was like Okay, and it as we said in the thing, it's like as a musical theater fan, it was like kind of it was easy to like connect those dots. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just felt like with Kate Bush, it was like I couldn't mm-hmm. get like f- like friendly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like Midnight's Children felt like like a thing that I had to like chip away at, and just felt like an endless um, chore right. of like moving moving sand a bucket at a time. Right. Yeah. Kate Bush was, I think, the first time that I've really come away from like weeks of trying to get into an artist with like respect and thank you for your service. But I think I've gotten what I need. If I ever got bored listening to Kate Bush, it wasn't because she wasn't doing anything interesting. It was because everything had been so weird for so long that I was just, and I had just been like so unable to grasp anything that I was like, okay, how many songs until this is over? Because like, I'm just emotionally lost. Yes, I'm emotionally lost. I really tried with the album right before 
The Dreaming? Yes, I tried with that one. Which I think is an interesting album. I had fun with it. I think I did the best with the one actually right after. Oh, The Sensual World? The Sensual World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that I had the best time with that one, ultimately, as a whole album. But it's like now, if you told me, if you asked me, like, what is the song on it? Like, hum some of it. I couldn't. Mm-mm. And I listened to it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I would be like, can I just can I just have you running up that hill, please? Yeah. I think, like Tom Waits, she has a very Brechtian vibe of, like, listening to a Kate Bush album and listening to a Tom Waits album are the same because, as you said, you, you can't really, like, sink into listening to them. You can't, like, get yeah. into a rhythm. They just, like, keep pulling you out of it intentionally. I, I think it's very purposeful. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what I find hard about it because I I don't really like Brecht either. <laughs> that like vibe of like I'm being intentionally difficult. Like oh is this hard to like? Yeah, because I made it that way. I I get that there's like artistic value in that in being like some things are hard to swallow. Yeah. Like I I, I get that, but also it's hard to swallow. <laughs> Something I think that is very telling about Kate Bush that I learned on. Wikipedia mm. is that the dreaming is Bjork's favorite album by any artist that tracks to me yeah my brain gave me okay so Bjork is mm-hmm. listening to Kate Bush all the time mm-hmm. and Amy Lee is listening to Bjork all the time bada bing we're already we're, <laughs> we're back to Evanescence yeah and, and I think part of the reason why I wanted to like her so much is because I know that a lot of people whose opinion I respect and a lot of people whose opinion I don't respect really like her like i was reading a thing yesterday where corinne tucker from slater kenny was talking about some of her influences and yeah. she was just gushing about kate bush and yes. i was like look if all corinne... other female musicians love kate bush yeah and i was like if corinne tucker told me to eat dirt i would at least try it you yeah. know like <laughs> can't it's got am i missing something yeah well tony bellantoni who i've invoked before who's musical taste like my musical taste is basically i just like lifted from mm-hmm. him and d- did a sloppier job like knowing what i'm talking about like when we were talking about stranger things he said something about like oh yeah i mean i've always loved that song and i was like wait you've always loved this i've literally never heard this song mm-hmm. until tiktok was like this is important and i was like why and tiktok was like stranger things i have people been knowing this song this whole time like is it like one of the like the way people know like love is a battlefield I mean, it had been making the rounds on LA's local alternative radio stations for a couple of years before Stranger Things, but it, mm. it didn't like leave a huge lasting impression. It did make me think it was more recent than it was. But... I literally had never heard huh. it before. I mean, I maybe I had like in a mall, but it had never registered in my brain before it was like, oh, something is clearly happening with this yeah. song, which I also believed to be from the 90s until further research yeah like just like listening to it like when tiktok was like we dug this up and i was like why yeah i thought they dug it up from the 90s and not the 80s i guess that's the flip side of you know what we've said a couple times about experimental music is not all experiments are successes but the flip side is sometimes when you really nail it you can sound years ahead of your time yeah you know running up that hill is a great example i feel loved by donna summer is another great example yeah yeah yeah. sounds sounds still very current yeah okay so i had the easiest time like attaching to running up that hill because i watched stranger things and it gave me a story to like live with that song but i think that aside 
my favorite Kate Bush song was actually the titular Hounds of Love. That was the one that I was like, this song has made it into the part of my brain where it's like, this is a song we know and love. I know what it's going to do next, and I'm excited for it to do that thing. Yeah, it's funny that she has like so much weird experimental liter like very heavy on literary references and then she has like half an album that i'm like this is an amazing pop album i would listen to the front half of hounds of love anytime yeah yeah at first i was like okay it's the front half of this because it's a as you said a great pop album and then the back half is this weird experimental thing that does have its moments like i kind of like the irish stuff that happens in it I, I don't know i did kind of like some of the experimental stuff it's just like hard to choose to go back to it you know yeah and then even even being like oh the front half of hounds of love i, I realized that it was really the front half of the front half because sure. the back half of the front half is like pretty mellow it is but it's still it, i feel like the pop sensibility of it is still more present yeah it's still it's poppy but it's not i just don't like i just don't know that i would like choose it over like i would i would rather listen to the first three songs twice than the first six songs. Sure, I, I can respect that. Like I said, that is what I ended up doing. Like I would do, I would be like, okay, here's my, I'm, I'm doing my Kate Bush studying. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. do one of these other albums and then I'm going to reward myself with the first three songs of Hounds of Love. I, I wound up falling into a similar rhythm too. Yeah, and like those are those are my guys. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I, I warned you I was going to do a little, okay, I'm going to do some light Stranger Things spoiling Mm-hmm. hopefully if you haven't watched it by now you probably don't care that much i'm also not gonna tell you like it's all it's light light spoiling but i think part of the reason that it's so successful is that it's it's attached not only to in in the fashion of uh gray's anatomy to a sequence but like to a specific and beloved character like every season on stranger things every time we return to hawkins Someone is carrying the weight of all the bullshit of the last season, the hardest. And this season, that person is Max. That's whose song this is. And the situation, we spend three episodes with her being the one that is like worn down by too many monsters. Yeah. <laughs> too many monsters and bad dreams and like blaming herself for things. And what it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty thinly veiled like, mental health allegory i think that it's like when she's in the situation in which the song comes up it's like when you're when you're stuck somewhere dark and scary in your mind or in a monster story it really helps to have a community around you some friends who know you and want to help but actually the only person they can't get you out of there you have to get yourself out of there and like Mm -hmm. when the rubber hits the road what am i trying to say when the chips are down (laughs) we've seen her spend the season so tired and like realize that she's kind of like in the line of fire and and she's like you know what okay like we've seen a lot of shit like if my number's up like that sucks i'm not i'm not like she's not suicidal but like you know comes for us all and then like the kate bush song is like are you gonna sit down are you gonna sit down and and say good night are you gonna fight and she's like i'm gonna fight Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's just like really thrilling to like see her wake up that way and it's like the kate bush the kate bush did it yeah that's the best that Kate Bush did for me, and it wasn't her. It was Stranger Things. Yeah. But they really knew. Like, it really... They they just do a great job. Like, if, if you'd been like, okay, we're in 1986, and we need a song 
to attach to this character. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, I've been saying I did not even know this song, but I know a lot of 80s music. Like, there's so many ways you could have gone. I think of it as a deep cut, but, like, it turned out to be so smart. Yeah, I guess, like, at the time, it would have been a very popular song because Hounds of Love was huge, and I think Running Up That Hill went to number one. Mm-hmm. So I guess then the question is, who is Kate Bush for? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> You're asking me right after I just ranted about Stranger Things for like 12 minutes. So it's like, I don't know. It's for people who watch Stranger Things. I mean, clearly it is. Clearly, Hounds of Love at least is. Yeah. My notion is based on something you said about Regina Spector. And you said Regina Spector, one of the people it's for is for people who really like musical theater, but who don't want to just listen to musical theater songs. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like if you got, if you came from musical theater and then you got as far as Regina Spector, like carry on to Kate Bush. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like meet the woman who inspired Regina Spector. Yeah, and Bjork, I guess. Yeah. I, I hear all that, but I'm like, next time I'm in that mood, I'm going to put on Regina Spector and not Kate Bush. But I don't, I don't know. Is that fair? Well, I think it's like, the way I was dividing it in my head is like, what, what kind of music, like how deep are you into musical theater land too? Like, I think pretty much anyone who's into musical theater will be into Regina Spector. But if you've gotten so deep into musical theater land, and this is kind of a call out of Ari, (laughs) that you're listening to like a new brain or some like deep cut like unstaged experimental a musical theater <laughs> like if you're listening to that go I listen to kate bush you'll so like kate bush much spring within me that's uh, me proving that i know a new brain yeah like that was ari's username on okcupid back when we met was so much spring <gasps> shut up yeah that's so nerdy yeah that makes it sound like i know a lot more obscure musical theater than i do because i just happen to know that one sure probably because i know ari yeah similarly we're going to a wedding next month where people are encouraged but not required to learn the dance to kate bush's weathering heights and the people getting married are two very lovely theater nerds so i'm when like you say the dance there's a, a famous music video to Wuthering Heights. Okay. A lot of her songs have like early pre-MTV music videos to them. Well, it's not pre-MTV, is it? It's Some of it is. Because Wuthering Heights is from the kick inside, which was like 78, 79. I think we all in the future think of MTV as like, oh, that's when music videos started mm-hmm. to have a platform. Like you made a music video because there was MTV. Right. But the truth is, there would be no reason to start a channel if nobody was making music videos. Sure. Somebody didn't just like buy a channel and name it that and then wait for the music videos just and then be like, this exists now, guys, go ahead. Like somebody right. had to be doing it. So uh, it makes sense to me. Good for Kate Bush, how forward thinking of her to be ready with yeah. those music videos. Agreed. Uh, not surprisingly, Kate Bush is ahead of the curve. Yeah, it, seem, it seems like she really is. Yeah. Like, it, she was ahead on, like, Moogs? Yes, she was. She was one of the first people to do a lot of sampling. And once good synthesizers came out, she was like, I'm just going to do all of this myself. Yeah. Even now that everything is on synthesizers, I feel like there's still this, like, thing that happens amongst singer-songwriters where it's, like, there's, like, acoustic pride. It's, like, a show of your musical skills if you can do a lot of it analog. Yeah. She, from the very beginning, was like, no, but it's cool if I do it this way. And, like, I don't... It doesn't seem like she really gives a fuck. No, she does not. 
cool. Yeah, it's cool that she's been really like she was very popular during her original run of albums yeah. like a lot of her stuff has been top 10 she's had at least three number one hits being as weird as she is yeah and not touring yeah she did one tour she did one tour and like didn't really like it and was like i'm not gonna do that anymore yeah and it's impressive that a like 19 20 year old woman was like no nah, i think i'm gonna I be able to make it just not touring yeah in like 1980. Yeah. And indeed she did. This is what I mean by I really wanted to like her in part because I feel like so much of what she has done and what she has contributed to is like so worthy of respect and admiration. Yeah, she seems like a really cool lady. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should have done uh, part of my journey with Taylor Swift and with Amy Lee was like, well, I'm sorry, I don't, I need to just see you speak. Mm. <laughs> the signals that I'm getting from your music are too intense and singular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, you must be a person. Yeah. You, there must be a, a person here also. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really afford, I didn't really give Kate Bush that while I was doing this. I just listened to her records over and over again. Mm -hmm. I think because I, I was less, it is less singular and intense, but yeah, now now, now that we're talking about her like willfulness, I'm like maybe I should have watched a couple interviews just to see like what a, what's her what's her vibe like? Is she a Bjork? I feel like she's gonna give me a lot of Bjork energy. I don't know. I've never of, watched like, anything with her either. Of like I'm weird and scattered, but also like terrifyingly focused. <laughs> I would not same be surprised. Time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like incredibly intense. Yeah. Like, you can see the wheels turning behind the eyes, and it's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. But also, like, not everything I'm saying... Like, not everything she says is going to make sense mm -hmm. to the average listener. Yeah. But also, like, it's clearly not random. Yeah, it's <laughs> like when sci-fi authors talk about being in the presence of an alien intelligence, and you're like, what's yes, going yes, on? Yes, yes, yes. Bjork has very alien intelligence vibes, and I, I, I wonder if that's what Kate Bush is like. But then I also wonder, maybe sometimes sometimes people shock you with how normal they are. And like Amy Lee. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like I know the answer to this question, but is oh. she in your curriculum? I'm going to say, I feel like what this question means keeps like evolving, and, that, and that's okay. I feel like she's not in my curriculum because there's other stuff that I could teach you. Yeah. But I'd be happy to refer you. Like, I, I feel like there could be a lot of, maybe it's the extra credit thing or whatever. Like, I feel like there could be a lot that we would be working on together in my curriculum. Mm -hmm. That if you were like, Kate Bush is the next place that I wish to explore these themes, I would be like, go forth, my child. I will refer you to someone who likes Kate Bush <laughs> mm -hmm. for this next chapter of your training. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, I feel, I feel bad putting anyone in my curriculum that I didn't connect with. It feels disingenuous, but like she is obviously like important and visionary. Yeah. And I think that similarly, I feel like, yeah, I wouldn't put her in my curriculum either because I wouldn't be able to do her justice. But if you handed me the syllabus for say the lady auteurs, yeah. which is a class that we have. Yeah, she a should list absolutely of. be in that. Yeah, if she wasn't on there, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why Why isn't she there? Yeah, if Casey Musgraves made it in. I know you didn't make it to the episode that I just kind of described to you, but if you were locked in some sort of, like, evil masterminds mind palace, mm -hmm. 
What what would be the song that would awaken your fighting spirit um, when you were too tired to go on? Yeah. My knee-jerk reaction, so with no forethought, like no thoughts, just vibes, is actually One More Hour by Slayer Kinney. Mm, yeah. No, that's a good answer. What about you? It's cool that it came from this. Honestly, I somebody on TikTok this morning said that theirs was Your Love Is My Drug, and that's why I was thinking of that song earlier in this podcast. So it, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like I'm just bringing Kesha up twice, but it's really the, from the same root. Sure. It, probably somewhere in there. Or like... Bad Romance would do it, too. No, yeah. Poker Face would do it for me. No. um, Like Telephone. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I never connected as much with Telephone. No, I would, I would... I'll always take Bad Romance. It's just like so like satu- oversaturated yeah, no, now. I, but it's like, but I guess that's the point is that it's like it's like something that's going to like always have a hold on mm-hmm. you physically. But I, I would say... The, the eight songs that are the difference between the fame and the fame monster, just like any of those, honestly. Mm-hmm. Pick your poison or yeah. ha- or just let me put the whole thing on, on a loop. She needs to get to Alejandro before she can come back. Yeah. <laughs> she did a great job. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> Good job, Lady Gaga. Good job. If you're listening Kind to of us. an understatement. Good yeah. job. Yeah. On you did pretty good. One of my favorite 2009. things yeah. that's ever been made. And I feel like if someone came up to you at a party and cornered you and was like, I want to talk about Kate Bush. Oh, yeah. How would you feel? Oh, awesome. Person of quality, right? Yes. Yeah. I would be like, better than me. Yes. <laughs> better you than me. I would, yeah, I would be like, I would be like, please help me. I tried and I failed. And also I would think if if this person came up to me and started a conversation with me about Kate Bush, I would think there was possibly a romantic future there. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I would feel like they I would feel like maybe that was in their intentions. Sure. You know, that's not that's flattering no matter how it goes. Sure. And the people who are encouraging me to learn the dance to Wuthering Heights, though I do not want to do that because I don't want to learn a dance. I do think it does reflect well on them and reinforce that they are strange and wonderful people that <laughs> yes, they're like yeah, for they our are. wedding you are going to learn the dance to this bizarre kate bush song yeah if you haven't listened to it listeners go and listen to wuthering heights and ponder to yourself how is that wedding choreo going to happen yeah yeah i although i i will say any any wedding i just like that they're asking this like even though even though you're like trepidatious about it like i would love to be asked to learn some choreo to go to a wedding <laughs> i think that would be really dope I haven't seen this choreography. I'm not sure. It feels like it might be hard. Yes. This is more like if a wacky, waving, inflatable arm flailing tube man had scarves in his hands. Ooh. I think it's a little bit more like that. Yeah, that's tough. That It's tough to nail that down. It's very prancy. In a way that's like, we are doing this in a synchronized manner. Yeah. I wish that I could just take your place at this wedding for just that. Like, I, I'll learn the scarf I'll dance. I'll tag you in. Yeah, and I'll just, like, pop in to the woods in, in Marin. Mendocino, but same diff. And do the scarf dance. Mm-hmm. And then... Poof back. Poof back to L.A. so I don't have to be in Mendocino. Jesus. And you can enjoy your friend's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Should we pause for a moment and then... Come back and talk about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Okay, great. All right, we are back to talk about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like after our very nuanced 
conversation about Kate Bush. This is we're we're about to just be some snotty little assholes. (laughs) Probably. About this. Yeah. Or at least we were while we were watching it. Yes, this is true. Normally when we when we watch the movies together, we try to be a little subtle about our opinions so that we can be fresh for you guys, fresh yeah. to the pod. But that was just like literally impossible to do for this film. It's so goofy. Yeah. It's an 85-year-old children's cartoon. Yes, it's so absurd. Like we couldn't we could not get through it without like riffing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a million years old. It's Do you want to count us in first? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I okay. Yeah. I mean, I just don't even know what I'm going to All right. One, two, three. It doesn't matter anymore. It, it, yeah, it does. It, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore in a lot of ways. The movie and I'm doesn't sure matter somewhere. It doesn't matter what I think about the movie. Nothing matters, <laughs> and yet it occupies this really important slot. Like it doesn't matter, but it's still very impressive in some ways. It is very impressive, but it's also like all the most successful elements of the movie are in other Disney animated movies like yes pretty quickly yes I asked as it was ending is this what like if you showed Toy Story to a child now is that what because I Toy Story just feels nostalgic to me and like I can see that the animation sucks compared to like Pixar movies now Mm -hmm. but like it's it doesn't feel weird to me because I was there when it was new technology but Snow White feels so like clunky Yes, like story wise, like superseded in every way. So I was like, "Is that is, does Toy Story feel like that to kids now?" What I said when I was in the before times is that I was going to oh, be yeah, grading yeah. it I on it. Absolutely no idea what I said in the before. I was going to be grading it on a curve because I knew that this was going to be something that it was like we're not going to come back and say that anyone needs to go out and see this. Like we're just sure. not yeah. because it is a children's movie. Oh, I do remember one thing we said in the before times. It was not very racist. That's true. Because it was very ableist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like they say dwarves, but they mean like gnomes. Like it's almost like they are not treated like they are human beings. Yeah. And it's unclear how much knowledge of human culture they have. Yes. That was one thing that we really... Boy, we are really, I think I am ADHDing oh, this yes. guy pretty hard. Yes, I agree. Okay, should we try to fix it or just... Okay, so straightforward. If you've been living under a rock for the last 200 years and you don't know the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, yeah. Snow White is almost murdered by her evil stepmother, the evil queen. She escapes into the woods and hides in a cottage with seven dwarves. Yeah. And then the queen disguises the gay, herself. There's a gay mirror. There's a very gay, yes. First queer-coded Disney henchman off the bat. First scene, yeah, the, second the, line. The, here's this gay mirror. The, yeah, the, the queen is like, hey, mirror. And the mirror is like, oh, what's yes, up? my queen. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the like, fairest hey, one girl. of all? <laughs> I don't know, Snow White. <laughs> hey, girl, what did you need? Yeah, you are pretty hot, but there's somebody hotter. Sorry about it. Not sorry. (laughs) He's just like vaguely a feat and like his voice is a little too deep and he's just like a little bit too wispy. Yeah. So the evil queen business, I feel like 
already better with Maleficent. She's got yes. horns. Just like more like fire in the belly, I would say, as a villain. Yeah. Another significant thing that happens in this movie plot-wise is there's a lot of like cleaning up. There is such a long I, cleaning sequence. I felt like... With I, forest creatures. I felt like... And this is a, a thing that I think might just have been true of cartoons for a while. It felt like a lot of the movie was just like stalling it was like how long can we like make this thing it didn't have any interest in like moving the plot forward the plot is extremely simple very few things happen yes it's more about like oh snow white has been stranded in the woods and these like friendly beasts are gonna like help her out how many visual not even gags but just like how many ways can we show that like how many different animals can help her in some way. It's not. It's not adding. It's not moving anything forward. It's not adding. It's not changing anything. Right. It's just like the deer does this thing, and the turtle does this thing, and the mousy does this thing, and the yeah. like birdie does this thing. Like there's so many. There's that for like being lost, for doing dishes, for sweeping floors, for mending clothes, mm-hmm. for making beds. Anything you could do in a cute little house in the woods, you will also see like every little creature contribute to like it was somebody's job to be like and then what if the mouse what was the weird one where somebody t- stuck his tail through the chair and i was like oh the deer like a there's thing. a hole in the back of the chair and the deer deer sticks his little like white rump and tail in there and just swirls and, it like, around swirls it around yeah there were a few of these things that fe- that were like like jokes about like animals bodies that were like this i feel like something sexual is going on here they, there's a part where they like use a turtle as a washboard yeah and, and he I just was, looks very excited about yeah, it yeah he's like really having some kind of like not just a sexual experience but like some kind of like tantric edging like yeah. like <laughs> yeah he's 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 going deep sting would be proud <laughs> yeah it's it's very sting that turtle in that in that moment so like that's a lot of the movie is like nothing new happening no new information being given just like we drew this yeah <laughs> because i think at the time the fact like drawing moving pictures was like the excitement enough like yeah. just like and then we drew this and then we drew this like that is what people were watching and what people were excited to see but now it's like okay so the queen is eviler in sleeping beauty the cleaning is cuter in cinderella no no what's the one we came up with sword in the stone yes yes the whole sword in the stone thing with the like the brushes do the dishes on their own Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of parts of it that i think sword in the stone is the one to yeah even though that's like 25 years later yeah it's no it's it's a lot later but like i feel that a lot of what i was seeing in snow white is just like oh this was an idea that they revisited later that they that they were like this is the like beta test yeah of like do kids like to watch magical cleaning for upwards of six minutes and it's like yes they do so we'll we'll do that better 20 years later yeah i think that that's true and also like my comp was pinocchio because i was like if you're in the mood for an old disney movie like old old i grew up watching pinocchio a lot and pinocchio was their second major release so i was like let's see how they compare and i think as a movie with like the plot of Pinocchio is much more interesting. Yeah. And it's just like the villains are weirder and messier and like the protagonist is more interesting. Like it works as a movie to modern sensibilities better than Snow White, which you're right, feels more like an extended children's cartoon. Yeah. 
And from what I was reading about it, Walt Disney's goal wasn't to focus on the story. It was to focus on all the bits that the dwarves yes, could do. Yes, yes. And it really feels how, like that. That's, yes, and that is what they did. Yeah. And, like, some of the bits are very funny. Some of them go on way too long. I don't know if I would call any of them very funny. <laughs> I mean, like... To my modern eye now. They're but it's like, it's like and, cute. Yeah, yeah it's like, okay, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Disney was good at cute stuff. Remember when they waterboarded Dopey and Grumpy? Yeah, yeah. Even within... Okay, so there's a lot of, like, problematic... There's the layer of, like, these... Of, like, the little people that, like, for now... Like, just the concept of, like, dwarves being, a, like, a fairy tale creature when mm-hmm. there are real people with dwarfism is, like, ooh. But then within that, within the, the dwarves' household, the dopey situation... Oh, yeah. ...is really... I think that's where it gets, like, much tougher originally and i think some of this carries through dopey was canonically supposed to be deaf oh yeah yeah he's definitely not deaf though. he's not no he's mute he's listening to yeah. everything yeah yes but he's mute and like delayed in some way and the way that everyone treats him as a result it's difficult to watch i found it difficult to watch yeah it was was and then it's also like and he's like extra horny like he's like always trying to like sneak around to like get extra kisses from snow white Snow White. like i don't know it just really it was yeah and then (laughs) grumpy kept walking around being like these women with their feminine wiles yeah you can't let them get their hooks in you yeah also grumpy sounds like an old timey prospector in the movie and not sure. They all they're all a little bit old timey prospectory That's because true. their job is diamond mining. Yes. Which was another thing we couldn't stop riffing on because it was like okay, so they work in this mine that you just like walk into with a cart and there's just like jewels coming out of the walls and they just like snatch them out of the walls and then they hand them to Doc and Doc like clinks them and depending on what sound they make, they're like better diamonds or worse diamonds. Yeah. And then they put them all in giant bags of diamonds and then put those diamonds into another cave yes that they is take l- them out of one cave and put them into another cave where they've already been sorted and bagged and then this cave they lock with a key that they leave hanging next to the lock yes and the door is labeled vault <laughs> yes and it's like completely unclear like what is this economy like what yeah. like who needs all these diamonds their song implies that it is a way for them to get rich quick, but also... But they live very modestly, and yet they have, like, this, like, Gringotts vault full, that is yeah. ch- chock full of diamonds. Yeah. Which seems to me like it would be... Like, that's too many diamonds. Like, if there were that many real diamonds, the value of diamonds would go down a lot. Which there are. So maybe they're doing right. the real-life diamond thing of, like, we're only going to sell three of these. Right, Yeah. Yeah, and keep maybe the rest. it's a commentary on diamond mining. Yeah, the, blood diamonds. The, like, what am I trying to say? Like artificiality. Yes. Of like somebody just one day was like, "What if diamonds were expensive?" And that's why diamonds are expensive. Yeah, exactly. Don't buy diamonds, guys. It's a scam. Honestly, like, there's so many in circulation. You can inherit them. Someone in your family has them. Yes, it was. It was made up for you. Like, doesn't it? Doesn't it bother you? diamond buyers out there that this was like made up and like put into your brain like incepted into you that that's like the only way to like indicate commitment yeah like that's completely fabricated like that is just some madison avenue mm-hmm. nonsense yeah that we as a culture have bought like hook line and singer it's like yes absolutely the only acceptable way to get married or show your like seriousness 
about someone is diamonds. Like that that's it's made up. Yeah. Don't you're being swindled. Yeah, you don't need to do that. Please don't do that. In, invest in art. Yeah. Or like a Birkin bag. <laughs> yeah, honestly though. If the Real Housewives has taught me anything, it's that you can invest in bags. Yes, you, no, you can though. Could you imagine if Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs they were what Birkin they, bag makers? Yeah, what if they mined Birkin bags? <laughs> Okay, what are we talking about? I would say the art of it was still very impressive. Like the actual drawing of it, except for Snow White, the prince, and the evil queen before she transforms into the old witch because they were less cartoony. And I think they might have been like traced over body doubles. Yeah, there was some, there there was, there was something. Off. Something going on. Like the lip syncing wasn't White quite and, up. Yeah, and, she, and also like she didn't look, like she looked like partly erased. Yes. Like her she features wasn't as weren't detailed. like all the way there, like yeah. as a face. It's like, I have a human brain that really wants to find faces, so I guess this is a human woman. But mm-hmm. like compared to all the dwarves that have like all this detail mm-hmm. and like like each have their own like facial hair and like different sized noses and nostrils yeah. and shit, like she like barely had features yeah it was a lot more not abstracted but yeah like her nose was just a little bump yeah just yeah. A, a little a, a little bump that was like do you have a shape like depending on how she turned her face part of the how the reason the story happens is, is that she's like incredibly beautiful or whatever yeah. and part of that i guess is that her lips are naturally very red mm-hmm. but i found that like disconcerting because there was no like shading or shadow in her mm-hmm. face at all so it's like this empty white face place yeah with a vagary of nose mm-hmm. and eyebrows and then like the eyes were pretty okay yeah actually but that's not enough and then this like weird like floating like bright red shape yes that was like some sometimes like from straight on it was mouth shaped and i was like fine but if she was in three-quarter profile or any other angle, it started to just be a bright red blob that lived somewhere below her, like, nose slits. Honestly, it was a little Uncanny Valley shit, which is, like, supposed yeah. to be a thing that happens with computers and not with things you draw, but I feel like it was happening. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why I feel like they rotoscoped it and, like, drew over human bodies. Yeah, I think that's a good theory, we do not have confirmation on that, but I, I like the theory. Yeah. I learned two things about this movie that I wanted to share, one of which is just funny, and one of which I think is kind of wild and says a lot of stuff about Walt Disney. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I do want you to share that thing. The woman who voiced Snow White pretty much never worked again. She was in, like, three things for her entire career because Walt Disney didn't want the voice of Snow White to be associated with anything else, which is pretty typical of him. Like he wanted a lot of artistic control, like to the point where I think at one point, a couple years after Snow White came out, the actress was still under contract with Disney and he wasn't putting her in anything. And so Jack Benny approached him and was like, hey, can I have the actress be on my show as a singer? And Walt Disney said no. Yeah. So he basically just like tanked a woman's entire career because she was a voice for him in one movie. And- I guess she's good. Like, she didn't wind up being, like, an iconic actress, like, one, even if she was one and done, like, Jodie Benson. But this raises questions for me. Is like, but what did happen to Jodie Benson? 
Like why why wasn't she in anything else? Like I like I remember being surprised when I learned who she was that it wasn't someone that I knew who it was. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was like, oh, a, a a rando, and then I was like, well, I will commit that name to memory so that I have that fun trivia, and then every other millennial like also did that because because yes. that movie's important to us. We're talking about The Little Mermaid. If you're the one person who doesn't know who Jodie Benson is, but honestly, what it it is weird. Like she has the voice of a fucking angel and she's great in that movie like why i don't i I'm honestly saying, did they pull that shit in a subtler way maybe i don't know michael eisner was pretty crazy and the other thing i wanted to share is very different and it is that the names of the seven dwarves were chosen from a list of 50 that they came up with and i just wanted i have some of the other finalists that i want to share with oh, you okay yes no i love this because i did have notes for the 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 seven that they chose that i'm just gonna say first because you're gonna give me these other suggestions so okay so to have like happy and grumpy and even dopey like dopey that's like a little mean but it's like those all kind of make sense to me as like identifying like thing but then it starts to come off the rails a little bit with like sneezy like that is not a personality and i just wondered how they arrived how how we got from like dominating emotions to like this guy has allergies in only seven dwarves like you ran out of and one of them's doc so you really only need six right so i would love to hear what some of the rejects were that made way for sneezy sure nifty I love this already. Nifty. Nifty. That's not anything. That's <laughs> like, what would Nifty, like, how would you convey visually that? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Nifty. Lazy. Okay. That makes more sense to me though. Puffy. Puffy. Stuffy. Stuffy. Tubby. Burpy. That to me is the same as Sneezy. I, I agree. There's a couple here that are that like. are just like a bodily function. Yeah. Wheezy is the same. Wheezy. Gabby. Okay. Baldy, and then Dizzy, Hickey, Ooh. and Deffy. No! <laughs> they just get like... Amazing. Tubby, Hickey, and Deffy are the ones where I'm like, ooh, ooh. some bullets were dodged. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if they were like, that's Deffy? Like we said already, it was kind of ableist. Imagine if the one dwarf was named Deffy, like how yeah. bad it would have gotten how fast. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think it is pretty bad with Dopey. It <laughs> is, but like, imagine if Dopey was named Deffy, and then they yeah. were just like he was their punching bag the whole time. It'd be pretty wild. I don't know. It's just like he doesn't always understand everything that's happening in the same way that the people around him do, and he is like physically mistreated over that constantly. Yeah, that's not great to me. Yeah, it doesn't have to line up with a real human disability, but part of Dopey's personality is that he's like. Nothing really gets to him. He does not yeah. perceive these like slights as they happen to him. He's like really cheerful about everything. And I feel like that is like a harmful, like that is a thing that happens to people with intellectual disabilities who are being taken advantage of, taken advantage of, or like abused in some way. It's like people assume that nothing bothers them. Yeah, and they're like conditioned to behave as if nothing bothers them or if if you can slip something by be like, "Hey, this doesn't bother you." It's like, "Well, I guess we got away with it then." Like yeah. that's like I feel like that is all that's going on with Dopey all the time. Like yeah. they're like so mean to him, but they're but they're like, "Well, he's still got a smile on his face, so I guess it's okay." And that just right. was felt like too 
like a thing that really happens. Yeah, I think he doesn't realize that he is low status and that feels weird as a as a viewer. A Disney animated movie does love someone who is happy to be low status. That's a great like trope of Disney films and I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. No, there's a difference to have someone who's who's like who's like, yeah, like I'm at the bottom of the food chain and I'm having so much fun. Oh, yeah, that's that. fine. That's totally fine, but I feel like he doesn't even realize that there's a food chain that he's at the bottom. Right, of. exactly. And like there are moments where he is very cheerfully where like like yes, someone please, someone please take me where we're going next that it, that's like that's totally fine. But yeah. there are also moments where like he gets waterboarded or yeah. whatever. And then he's like, that's okay. Like, I guess everybody's getting waterboarded today. Yeah. And that felt not good to me. Yeah, I agree. So (laughs) I have an answer locked and loaded for this. Who is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves for? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I guess people who are trying to be thorough. I was going to say parents who need something to put on for their young children. Because I think unlike a Dumbo... It's not gonna, like, give them any, like, super fucked up ideas right off the bat. Like, Dumbo, I feel like if you've got Dumbo on, there's a 50% chance that you walk into a room and you're like, whoa, are those birds literally doing blackface Oh, right yeah, now? no, Dumbo is definitely super racist. It is on the envelope. We will get to it. I, I, but from what I remember, it is super racist. And also, it is emotionally scarring. Yeah. That the mom being in jail. Yes. Business. Yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. Snow White is like, like we said, not a lot happens. A lot of just like business. Yeah. So it is like, in some ways it's closer to like, it's like a calmer like Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So like, I guess, yeah. I just, I I feel like there's very little about it that hasn't, the reason I'm saying it's for people who want to be thorough is because I feel like there's so few things about it that haven't been done better by something else that I like if you're like oh I want to entertain my child in this way or I want I really like this (laughs) I want to see people clean things Mm -hmm. like I I got something for you yeah that's gonna be a funner watch but if you're like I like all these other cartoons that came later and I want to see what what the first crack at all of this looked like yeah like yeah go go check it out yeah it's 90 minutes, grab a friend and some popcorn and just like... Sit and riff a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like no. it's it's not, it was not a... In some ways it was a, a slog. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't like, holy shit, like yeah. when is this gonna end? Like we had fun. Yeah. I yeah. Think we, we had fun because we were riffing and just allowed ourselves some space to do that. But yeah, like if you just acknowledge the age of it and yeah. you can still appreciate the things that it does well, because visually there are some sequences that I'm like... There's parts where it rains, and I'm like, they had to draw all that rain by hand. There's parts where there's, like, ripples in water. Okay, wait, this is another example, though, because I know this is just, like, such a random thing that I don't know why I know it, but I I know in Bambi, the rainstorm, I think they got notes, or Mm -hmm. maybe they just, like, wanted to improve on the rain in snow white so if if part of what you're interested in is early animation techniques and seeing like like backgrounds and 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 weather Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how they how they do the movement of water it's a lot better in bambi because they they spend a lot of time and money slow-mo filming droplets and tracing over them and like seeing what droplets do and just like focusing on drops in a way but bambi is also emotionally scarring so watch out for that yeah. Honestly, a lot of those early Disney movies are are fucked up. And this one is like the dopey 
thing is pretty fucked. It's like, I don't know. I mean, also, she Every, does get straight up murdered. Everything old is... Three quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah, yeah. Can they keep the camera off it? That's true. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> oh, I mean, we didn't even, we haven't even talked about, like, consent Oh, culture. I mean, that's, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a given. Yeah, I've, everybody knows that. And also, I will say, like, I felt better about that than I thought I was going to because of their, like, prior relationship. Yeah. Like, I, she does get, not that consent once is consent for always, but right. she does indicate earlier in the film that she would probably be interested in kissing this man at some later date. Yes. So it's, like, not as wild for him to go in for it. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to make a direct recommendation to my friends who listen to this, who I know have young children. Mm. If you are tired of hearing the number of the day song from Sesame Street, but you know you want to put something else interesting on for your child, this would be an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, and it's good. I feel like it's always good to sneak in historic things before your kids have like strong opinions. Yes. Because... At some point, they're going to be like, that looks old and I want a fresh new cartoon. But you Uh can sneak in the old ones before they like have that much taste. And then you're like sneakily giving them the background of the thing. And then you don't have to go back later and be like, do you know what that's referencing? Like, do you know what the first movie was to do this shit? You don't, that's, you already did it. Yeah, absolutely. It's what I feel like was so valuable about my like oldies radio station phase in like the fourth and fifth grade. Like I accidentally taught myself like early rock and roll to uh, to lay the groundwork for having musical taste like later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about growing up in the 90s with access to Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. Is sure. I was like all of those like early basic cable cartoons that became the basis for cartoons now. Like yeah, I yeah, know yeah. all of them so yeah. well. Yeah, when I was a kid, those Looney Tunes, the, what's that guy's name? Chuck Jones. Oh yeah, Chuck um, Jones. The Chuck Jones cartoons, like, I feel like they showed them they did. at breakfast time during our childhood. all the time. Yeah, and I really like, even though they are from long before we were born, mm-hmm. I really like know what all that looks like. And that, I couldn't tell you why it's handy, but it is. It's just good to know what is like... Bugs Bunny and Wile E. Coyote and it would be a chore Mm -hmm. to have to learn it now and it wouldn't feel like fresh and exciting it would feel like filling in gaps I watched so many Looney Tunes that by the time I was 10 I could tell you how much I was probably going to like a Looney Tunes cartoon by the opening credits if I saw if it was directed by Chuck Jones Tex Avery or Fritz Freeling between those yeah. three I could tell you which one yeah, I was gonna yeah, like yeah. the best we were doing like yeah yeah the fact that I knew that that I like had like a favorite director when I was like nine yeah a favorite <laughs> director of cartoons yeah that I was like oh that guy really like stretched what was possible in this form mm-hmm. as like a small child that's cool yeah I don't know I'm coming around on Snow White sneak it into your kids diet early because it's weird and they're not going to want to do it later but it, it then then it'll just be inside their like story vocabulary and they won't have to do it later like we do yeah and if you are someone who likes going to Disney World or Disneyland particularly Disneyland so much of Disneyland pulls specifically from Snow White. Sure, yeah. That it is... Yeah, Disney is really into, like, nostalgia of itself. Building a vocabulary, like, a self-contained vocabulary is really helpful. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I feel like any... That's another person that it's for. Like, anyone who just, like, wants to... Yeah, just, like... But, like, because they like their own shit so much, like, know more of what they're talking about. They're they're not going to give it up. They're not going to stop 
because right. it was the first one. So right. like you might as well if you're into it. Exactly. Is it in your curriculum? I'm like no, no, <laughs> no. Like no one, no one who's listening to this podcast needs to go out and watch this. No. If someone told you it was their favorite movie. <laughs> oh, that's a huge red flag. <laughs> yeah, not not. Good. If someone, if an adult came up to me at a party and was like, my favorite movie is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, unless they are over the age of 80. Yeah. In which case I'm like, oh, because you saw this when it came out. Yeah. And this was like your first movie. Yeah. If it was like an old woman who was like, I always appreciated the majesty <laughs> yeah. of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, I'd be like, great, I can sink into this the, conversation. Uh, I, the, can, the, I can do the this. The tone of her voice, the, the princess is now... I don't like the pop belt. I made her British. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But like her voice has this very like closer to like classical singing like that, like legit sound before the pop belt invasion of Broadway that like old people appreciate. Yeah. The woman who played Snow White, I think came from opera. Yeah. That makes sense to me. It's not long before they've got one foot in pop singing, I feel. Mm-hmm. But yes, that would make me very uncomfortable. So if it's someone's favorite movie, stay away from that person. If someone makes you tries to make you feel embarrassed, if you're just talking about like film history and someone is like, oh my God, you haven't seen Snow White. First of all, you don't have to admit to it because you just listened to this. So like you yeah. can talk about it fluently. But if you do, should you feel... I mean, if you're talking to like I Bob like... Minkoff and you're an animator, then probably. But yeah, other than that, no. <laughs> nice pull from Real Housewives there. Yeah, like I guess like context. But if you don't aspire to draw Disney cartoons, I, I don't think that you need to be embarrassed that you haven't seen this movie and yeah. no one should ever make you feel that way. Agreed. Which I kind of felt like was how I was going to feel yeah. already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to but reinforce. But sometimes we go back and we watch things and we're like, no, don't feel embarrassed. But like, don't let other people embarrass you. You, but maybe put a little fire under your own ass because this thing is really good and important. And I, I don't think we're saying that here. No, we're not. <laughs> I did want to say before we wrap up, just as a like a marker of our, our, our progress generally, I feel like it's working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking about this and I just wanted to say it briefly on air that like, I do feel like we're becoming more like Literate. knowledgeable. Yes. Yeah. Like I feel like, I feel like it's like the little tendrils of the spider web of like everything mm-hmm. are like starting to reach towards each other in ways that I can perceive. And it's like, no, nobody will ever know all of the music, mm-hmm. but I feel like if, if we continue at this pace in five years, I will be someone who's, internal musical library i really respect yes i agree and that so that's like that's like fun yeah it is it is fun <laughs> like part of this is just that we like to hear ourselves talk but part of it is that we're doing whatever it is like actual like personal development and i just i'm just saying i feel like that side of it is working i feel developed yeah i already feel like i'm on much firmer ground with my friends who are like screenwriters and film nerds than I was a year ago. Yeah. I just feel like I'm hearing so much more as someone committed to like trying to keep up with music. No, and it's fun to see like how stuff gets mixed and matched where it's like, oh, in this way, it's like one artist. And in this way, that is like another artist. I can see the various threads and how they're like coming together and pulling apart and like 
in ways that I definitely could Yeah, I just, I feel like as a teenager, I was really into music and grownups were always like trying to like trick me into like getting music trivia wrong. And I was like, oh, I'll never know. Like, like people who grew up in the seventies and like know all the rock and roll. I was like, oh, I'll never catch up. I'll never catch up. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, the secret is just get, continue to be alive, get older. Mm-hmm. And like, because if you were alive when the music was created, it's so much easier. Yes. And just keep paying attention. And like, I don't know. I feel like I'm like filling in gaps like I could be that uh, like not just a regular adult but like an obnoxious adult mm-hmm. that is like no I, I really know my shit like from the 90s forward yeah like I really know my shit I'm not there yet but I see that in my future and it's I like that version of me same okay well where can they find you on uh, TikTok trash analysis great you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at anxious and you can find the show on Twitter at sophisticate pod I wanted to share a review that we got, a a brief Apple Podcast review. Oh, yay. Yeah, from Pop Etymology. They say- Oh, I love that name. Well, they say of us, smart, funny, onboarding. Wonderful, non-threatening introduction to cultural works of value. Good way to broaden one's horizons and get into something new when you're in a rut. So thank you, Pop Etymology. Ah. That was lovely. Wait, no, seriously, call me. Anyone who names their thing Pop Etymology is like thinking in the same way that I'm thinking about pop songs. And I I, want to etymologize with them. I agree. Well, that about does it for I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. And until next time, good night and good luck.